What up? Welcome to episode 144 of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike, sitting here with my boys, ready to talk some wrestling. Super excited about it, too. It's been a second since the whole crew's been back together. Just been a little busy, a little caught up, you know, transitioning into fall. Lots of new stuff happening, but... You know, AEW actually is transitioning into something pretty exciting um, to 12 pay-per-views a year. Pretty crazy stuff. And we got one coming up called Wrestle Dream this Sunday. We just watched Dynamite tonight, and it was pretty much Dynamite, I must say. Uh, We're going to get to the high spots of that. Uh, We got some moving parts uh, from Federation to Federation that we're going to get to, too. And just who knows where the night's going to take us, because I really can't wait to talk to my my guys. It's been like forever. So let's introduce them without further ado. He's over in Glendale. He likes to keep it regal. His name, Steve Grobschmidt. What up, Grobby? A storm is coming. That's it. That's it. That's a foreshadow of what what Mike was talking about. It's a foreshadow. <laughs> Were you trying to make a sound effect before? That was a you sound, no. That lines? was more. No, that was actual thunder that was happening behind me. <laughs> oh, I don't know if that came through on recording, yeah. but it's, I might it's help fine you if it, out there it's fine editing. if it. Yeah, you should put in like like really exaggerated like thunder like like that came out of my mouth <laughs> like he, like he man like he man thunder. I was, <laughs> hey, I was uh, just talking about how busy I am, and you know what? That'll be a nice little break is to find yeah. the greatest thunderclap of yes. all time to put in front of your intro because that's how much I appreciate your intros Thank too, you. Steve. Thank so. you. Thank you. Yeah, it's better than the other kind of clap he's got. Oh boy! Yeah. Well, I learned that lesson. I guess stay away from your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Classic tonight. Woo! Mom jokes awesome. coming out already. I mean, this is gonna be feisty. Well, you're an egg sucking dog. But we'll get to you in a minute. I'd rather hear from the uh, next introduction here. Oh, Steve. All right, you two, take care. Uh, take it easy there. Okay, let's actually go to a kind person, uh, someone oh. who's always just so nice. He's oh. gonna be a new dad real soon, and oh. he likes to keep it freshly squeezed. Mm-hmm. Matt Michelson, what up, bro? Oh man. Uh, well, I will say tonight, I don't have a song, but I do have an interpretive reading that I'd like to share with you oh. now. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. <clears throat> and, and this is wrestling themed and you may recognize this, but um, here it is. Top rope, catch a vibe, catch a foot when I drive. Big pressure, I apply. In the ring, you won't survive. Yeah. I swerve when I drive. Defeating me, you lost your mind. Oh. And for Love those it. of our listeners who can't see the video, 
Everyone's doing the Nana, baby. Nana. <laughs> That's the greatest craze going on right now in wrestling. Yeah, it's a movement. It's a movement, baby. I'm Dude, so happy. And I've been. And I, I was years ahead of this. I remember like the first time I ever heard Swerve's music. I'm like, I'm digging this. And mm. I don't know what it was. It just took a while to come around, but I'm glad it came around. Well, and then you see the music videos too, and then you're like super mm-hmm. hooked in. I don't know if you guys remember the the rap channel, the Box channel oh. eight yes <laughs> that's how i knew that i was in the you know i was into what i was into yeah you know you know i might be thoroughly biased because i just love prince nana so much but there's two things the two polarizing things and that one of them works to me and one of them doesn't what doesn't work is alex abrahantes as i said before it's like he's got these badass duo he's with and he's jumping around like jimmy hart and just like completely ruining the vibe because he acts like a dork then you got like the brooding sinister swerve that swaggers out and prince nana dancing like a fool and yet it works together it's so great i like i don't know yeah. there's something there's one works one doesn't Nana's character is definitely brilliant right now. Like he's really coming. I actually heard he was on uh pot is Jericho, um, oh. the Jericho. And oh my gosh, he was really good. Like, um, and he's also been on, was originally on one of Renee P- Paquette's podcasts. Oh, sweet. caught a little bit of that. Yeah. He's really, he's a, a good egg, you know, really had a cool story. And, um, yeah, and so it's fun to see him in action because I do think he's a he's got a great character going on right now, and more importantly, he's doing a great job. I love the Mogul Embassy. I think I, we mentioned this way before about just the uh, you know the the opportunity that those guys had, and they're they're really coming into their own. It's a great group. I'm sorry, Gary. I did not hear a single word you said. I was actually on mute, and I was watching an Instagram reel that Charlie shared with us of Prince Nana dancing to yes. that song, and the whole crowd just the whole crowd. It's really him. good. Really yeah, good. he's time. over. Wait, who's who? Wait, uh, Mike. Um, who who was just talking there? Like, can you let us know? I'm glad you asked because I was going to tee it up. Uh, it's the man with the golden pipes over in Ohio, Gary Williams. What up, Gary? Well, I met this lady and I told her quite a story, said I love her forevermore. But the problem is I tell the same old story to every girl who walks through the door. Well, first they love me and then they don't. Sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. So I said to this girl, hey, you get out. And she got to her feet and began to shout, you're a jive soul, bro. A jive soul, bro. And you're always lying to your friends. You're a jive soul, bro. A jive soul, bro. And you never get nothing in the end. Yeah. Yes. Speaking yeah. of great interviews, um, and I know that Bradshaw and Briscoe always give us props on their podcast, so I'm 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 glad to return the favor. But uh, Slick was on with uh, Bradshaw and Briscoe, and oh my gosh, it was a great great interview. He has he there's just so many like cool things about his rise to fame i didn't know he was second generation actually oh, um, i didn't know that yeah um and he uh and then just kind of the story about akeem and the boss man and everything that and how he got into the wwf and all that stuff and just a really really cool uh really cool interview so i had nice. to bring out in in honor of nana his uh probably idol is slick 
Yeah, those two definitely are cut from the same cloth. Big time personalities coming through. Always appreciate you guys bringing in the great intros. They get me going. They get me excited. And we got a great show ahead of us here because we got to break down Dynamite and what's coming up on WrestleDream here. So I'm excited to see, you know, how this shakes out. This is like the first pay-per-view. I mean, kind of. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, all in Wembley. It was like that was like the first non big four AEW produced. This is like its own thing. We're going to see how successful it is. Mm-hmm. We're going to have some numbers. It's going to be happening in Seattle, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. So, the home, I mean, hometown, hometown people with Swerve and exactly. Wayne and Darby. So, a lot so of I mean, it is a great wrestling um, town state. I mean, we did see, um, I, re- I still remember when NXT did a takeover in Portland and it was freaking yeah. awesome. Like that was good stuff. And I mean, if you watch the territories, uh, we know that, yep. what was it? Uh, it was Portland what, wrestling, Portland wrestling, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Piper. a lot of people migrate from, from yep. other States is a very transient state, but it's the spirit is there. So I'm actually really excited to see, uh, what the turnout's like, what these fans are like. Um, even when we did our deep dive on the Bushwhackers, the Sheep Herders, right? Didn't mm-hmm. they uh, come up in Portland too? So there's Absolutely. some history there. I really hope AEW does. Um, I like this. I like this move. And they are building some really great heat, as we saw tonight on AEW Dynamite. So where do we begin, boys? What was your favorite part, Steve, would you say? Of tonight's show? Um Right. Yeah. Um, well, okay. First of all, I liked. Um, you know, we we got to if I can go right into the 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 meat of it, like we uh, like we were talking before recording, the layers and potential of this MJF Adam Cole thing mm-hmm. just continues yes. to be like really compelling. Like if they're if you took it like if you didn't really think too deep into your wrestling and kind of watched it like it's a good story but like some of these things that our brains are going on right now like um could make this one of the all-time great stories and like what i'm speaking of specifically is like um you know adam cole we all watched him last week he came running out and then he tripped and then started hobbling and i remember saying like my wife who half watches um funny enough She's totally not into wrestling, but she every time in the whole anything involving MJF and Adam Cole, she's I catch her watching because I think she's she's now into that story. That's how good it is. Anyway, um, that a girl, Tam. Yeah. But uh, and she used to just hate MJF legitimately like he just sucks. I don't understand why people like him. And now like he's he's won her over anyway. She's hooked. um, Yeah. Anyway, um. He got hurt last week and we're all like, oh, shit, like that's really going to be bad. <laughs> and then this week he comes out and like, you know, I, I, I'm, I know I'm not alone on this, but I'm like, first thing I said to my wife when he started coming out, I was like, and I'm not buying this. Like that no. leg is too wrapped up for one Two, the way you, you, you take things like the way he delivered when he had to walk away from wrestling or I don't remember if he did that or if he was just out. But when you see wrestlers say they got to be gone for a while, like CM Punk and he's like getting emotional and has mm-hmm. to turn in the title, they deliver it in a real authentic way. That promo he gave today was like too uh, like too direct. <laughs> and I don't know, it just felt like it was lacking one layer of emotion that it was believable. So true. 
Yeah. And then, um, you know, MJF's going to wrestle like two on one. And then Jay White came out, which I think is great because Jay White is like undefeated and like what a great <laughs> next challenger. And then I, I don't know. That whole thing to me is just like top level of booking because is it, you know, I, I've been one to believe all along that Adam Cole's the one pulling the strings and duping MJF and that MJF actually is like kind of falling for being having a friend. This, I hope it pans out the way I just blathered because this is some cool shit. And it's like, you just don't know where it's headed. And that's the best kind of wrestling. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. Cause I got worked for sure by this. I, in the moment, I couldn't really tell you either way. I did notice the same thing though, as you, Steve, like his leg looked overly taped up. He seemed emotional enough to me. I mean, he just came off another injury. So you would think he would have been a little more broken up about it. I think the part that kind of made me go, wait a minute, and maybe think it was a work was when he's sitting on that chair in the ring and he's like, my ankle's broken in three places. I have ligaments torn. It's yes. Like he could have mentioned that's where he lost injury. me. Yeah. yeah. It just seemed like he was piling on information. Yes, exactly. Doing it. Yeah. So it's got to be a work, right? Because and I then, think so. You know, fast forward to the end of the show. And I know we're jumping ahead a little bit, but you know, we see that backstage beatdown of Jay White with MJF. I mean, what's and who are these other guys? And it just raises so many other questions. So, yeah, interesting night with the MJF storyline. And I will say, just like just like Tamara, um, Becky is not really into AEW, I think, as much. But I think that vignette they had with MJF and Adam Cole on the boat definitely got her attention it made both of us laugh a little bit so same here yeah and, and i've mentioned this in past weeks um but i know becky like doesn't know who anyone AEW is but she knows who mjf is and i think that says a lot you know kind of like everybody it will be interesting to see what ends up happening because i have a feeling that one of the best case scenarios is that they both have a plan for each other and it combusts all at the same time. And there's some sort of, you know, major combustion that where Adam's idea and then MJF's idea all kind of clash at the same time, which would be hilarious. Like they're both and, working each other. Like they're both working would, each that other. That would actually work with perfectly in the story. Yeah, too. like they're both working each other and they both have, you know, these other plans. And then it just kind of like all combusts at one time. Um I just, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, this wrestling has, the story is as old as time, but the chase of this type of story is the, 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 the best part of it. Right. And so my hope, uh, fingers crossed is that not only do they have a good swerve pun intended, um, uh, for us coming, coming soon, but that they also have a plan for the plan after that. Um, because, that would be, it would be, it's going to be hard to not want to have these central figures going forward. Similarly to the way the WWF has run its storyline with the, with the bloodline, which is still working and, and it's, it, it's lost some momentum, but there's a lot of different intangibles that are in that grouping as well. But, you know, you've got Roddy and the kingdom, you've got bullet club, you've got a lot of different kind of ins and outs and, you know, I'm sure there's people in MJF's past that we're forgetting about that all of a sudden may reappear themselves, um, you know, and so I think, I think you guys are right, like this is 
probably the most compelling one of one of the more compelling stories and 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 I too I, I would tell you that as soon as they put up the the image of as as they were coming down to the ring they put up the image of them wrestling in a tag team match like right away well you would never have done that had you know so right away my alarm bells were off and then I will I will tell you that years of um, college athletics um, gives you some indication that um, that cast was pathetic that he had on so there's no way he'd have a little boot and all that that just wouldn't happen so um so so there so for, for me my antennas were up right away um especially because they were going back to the video and showing him you know tweet like why would you show them him tweaking the ankle again and um and trust me when i tell you if he broke it in three places he would not still be standing on it at the time that it happened so um but Regardless of it, I do think um, great, great story, lots, lots of potential. Uh, but, you know, Mike, what do you think about that kind of story? I mean, where are you kind of at with it? Well, I just wanted to raise a quick question and survey my uh, fellow podcasters right here, too, because all your input is so valid and so awesome. But the question is, it's it's got to be for a reason. Who... Like who is benefiting whose career is benefiting more from this story? Mm. Would it be MJF's or is it Adam Cole's? Because this can't exist without the other's participation contributing with one another. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, they're both, I mean, I think MJF's younger, right? By like a couple years, like six, seven years. But honestly, if I'm going to put my, my uh, two cents in. I think this is helping Adam Cole's career more than it's helping MJF's, even though he's the younger guy. Even though Adam Cole has more experience, done more things, but I think what MJF is doing for Adam Cole in AEW, it's 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 him. Like, I think Adam Cole has to send MJF a Christmas card every single year. <laughs> For sure. So for the rest of his life, I'll take a different spin on that. I think to some degree, I I like, I like where you're at, Mike, but I also think, I don't know if Adam Cole and MJF are really going to benefit the most from this, but who's going to benefit are the periphery people, the kingdom. Roddy strong is benefiting from this. I I really believe that, you know, in the end, um, the bullet club's going to emerge out of this somehow, some way, some twisted thing. And so I think that that, that is what might be the beauty of this is in what makes this different than what the bloodline is doing in the WWE, which is they've really, apart from Sami Zayn and, and Kevin Owens, they really haven't built anyone else up. There is some real possibility here that, you know, Roddy Strong and the kingdom really come out and emerge from this as a faction, as a legit faction. And I think the Bullet Club will continue to cement themselves as, you know, a true heel group uh, within AEW. So uh, I do agree that that they're, they're, that is a really cool question. And I, I think there's a lot of different probably answers. But for me, I think it's more periphery people than it is actually them. I mean, Roddy Strong, for sure, will 
was um i don't know maybe i'm this is how i i think we've all talked about this but really 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 good wrestler never really to me mm-hmm. at least I, I don't i don't go way back this, like, is, this is the first time his character is actually a character i mean yes as annoying AEW, as he it, is yeah it, it's in, hilarious in nxt he was um just a, you know, it's a good hand, but his personality never really came out. I'd never really watched him closely in in a, in a Ring of Honor before that, but I think Charlie's maybe echoed that too in the past that he's you know character was never his strong suit. But this is like I didn't know he had this level of just being mm. ridiculous. I love his I love uh, neck strong motto yeah. and like he's probably for the first time in a long time since he probably was with Adam Cole back in NXT. He's probably selling t-shirts for the first time in a long time, yeah. you know, I mean, legit. One thing I'll add to this, um, cause you guys bring up a lot of really good points. I think this storyline to your point has benefited everybody who's involved with in it. I, we were talking about this on the group text, or at least I had thrown this out there. I, I think tonight, the promo battle between MJF and Jay White probably hurt Jay White more than it helped him because MJF is just so much better than everybody on the microphone, right? And I think MJF, you know, in the process of attacking Jay White on the mic, kind of buried him a lot in a way. He just pointed out a lot of obvious things, especially with just like Jay White's personality. I know Charlie is a huge fan of Jay White. And, you know, when he was part of New Japan, the guy wrestles incredible matches, mm. but New Japan has a very different vibe than AEW. And now that he's in AEW, it's more TV-based. It's American wrestling versus Japanese wrestling. So the back and forth timing, everything is very different. And I think the show tonight kind of exposed a lot of Jay White's weaknesses more than it pointed out his strengths. So at the end of the show, when we see him get beat down in the locker room before AEW goes off the air... I think that was probably the best thing they could have done given what happened earlier in the night. Now, like I said, this whole storyline with MJF and Adam Cole, yeah, it elevates everyone involved in it. I don't know where it leaves Jay White, though. I mean, my hope is that maybe next week we see where this goes. And I have to believe this is building to maybe like a singles match between MJF and Jay White. But I I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. You know, it's interesting that you have that perspective, Matt, because I I actually felt differently about it. Um, I felt that Jay actually started to come into his own a little bit. He, he finally got, like, antagonized enough. I, I think he was a good hand to MJF. I think he allowed MJF to kind of rake him over the coals, call him tofu, and, you know, do all of that kind of stuff. I don't know if – I don't it, – it's hard for me – to not think of Jay White in terms of his ability to wrestle, though. I mean, I haven't seen a match that that guy's had, and I've been like, wow, that wasn't very good, right? Like, he can wrestle. And so, and the fact that he's kind of with the guns and Jews, who all have really strong personalities, allow doesn't necessarily, you know, for him, mean he has to come out, but they respect him as the leader, and they have the cutout of him, and so... It is interesting the way, you know, your your take on kind of that interview segment. I think it was also for me just kind of purposefully done. It, you know, it just continues to accentuate. I mean, you can't you cannot not walk away from that promo and not think how brilliant MJF is. And he was the one who said to him, like, you're not gonna beat me at, at a war of words. And he didn't. Uh well, in the same token, I think that Jay White is going to push him in the ring in a way that MJF maybe 
you know, has been pushed by like Brian Danielson and others, but now really he'll get pushed again by somebody who's, who's a, who's a tremendous worker. You're so right on that, Gary. I love that perspective as well. And the MJF promo, what, and you brought up that word tofu. Didn't it feel like they give MJF like a challenge backstage? Be like, here's your key word. <laughs> yeah. uh, I would love if that's true. Tofu. Yeah. And make it into something golden. And I think he does that. Like, I really think you could like mm-hmm. go backstage with MJF and be like, hey, work the word, um, I don't know, toll booth into it and make it insulting to someone and do it. That's how good this guy is. And he's yeah. he's so young and he's like the more experience he gets and you know who gets to reap the benefits? Us. We Us do. the viewers. Agreed. It's like this guy loves the business. He loves to entertain and he's so fucking good. So hats off to all that. Um, but we got some other big matches coming up on uh Wrestle Dream coming up this Sunday. Is it on Sunday? It sure During is. Football? This is going to be interesting, too. So, oh, it's after football, right? Well, it's evening, like Sunday night. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what the Sunday night game is. So, yeah, this is this is extremely interesting, I think. Um, Okay. So what are the other big matches on the card, boys? We got. uh, I think the biggest one that we have to acknowledge is the dream match between Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. Sabre Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're me or Charlie, who again is in here, but new Japan, they, they've got some amazing wrestling that you just don't still don't see to this day on AEW. Zack Sabre Jr. Is probably one of the most unique wrestlers on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys have seen him, but his style yep. is very heavily submission based. In fact, that's almost all the guy does. And He's unreal. I think the guy just dreams wrestling moves before he goes to sleep at night. I think so, And in his sleep and when he wakes up. I don't know how he comes up with it. And every match he has is different from the last. Like, he never does the same move twice. It's it's just amazing. So, I have no idea what's going to happen in this match between him and Brian Danielson. I have to believe, yeah, there's going to be a lot of technical mat work and stuff like that. But, I mean, as far as, like, the different submissions they're going to exchange... I, you know, nobody could predict it except for Zack Sabre Jr. The guy's just amazing. Like, he can make a submission move out of anything. Now, how Brian Danielson counters that, that's going to be what I think is going to make this match really interesting. I know, I think at Forbidden Door 2022, this match was initially on the card, but for reasons, I think Brian Danielson was injured at the time. He was. they, They weren't able to have it, but now they're able to have it. So, Frankly, I and, and I told the guys this before we started recording, I'm probably not going to buy Wrestle Dream. I'll probably watch a couple matches after the fact. This is one of the matches I will watch for sure. Yeah, I would. Uh, I think that there's some great potential of, of, of obviously match of the night, but also this whole kind of story that's unfolding, whether it's legit or not. It appears to be Brian Danielson's, you know, kind of like, you know, retirement movement from in-ring action. And um, and as he's going down this journey of these and and wrestling these dream matches, um, I just this is really a cool opportunity for us to have. Um, and I'm sure for Zack Sabre Jr., what an awesome opportunity. I mean, this is the kind of stuff where I imagine, you know, and even getting into 
the match with um, Jericho, the Golden Lovers, and the Don Callis family. Like those guys that, you know, these guys, it reminds me so much of old school wrestling in that there were a lot of old school guys who, who liked to kind of do the territory loops together and they liked to have matches with each other. And they were as much as they were, you know, heels and faces, they would play cards in the back. And I, I imagine this whole group of people, they're, they're playing video games together and they're talking about their families and, and that's what makes that chemistry so good in terms of their ability to make really cool music in the ring, so to speak, uh, is the fact that they're they're not only, you know, great and tremendous wrestlers and athletes, but they, I think that they're also like really good friends. And I think that that really is going to make it special for them as well, which then in turn to what Mike said earlier, who benefits we do. Absolutely. I mean, I can't wait for this one. And I, I, you know, I saw, I haven't seen all of Zach Sabre Jr.'s work to the extent of maybe like, I haven't seen some of the stuff overseas in it much, but I I did watch him when he was in the cruiserweight tournament in WWE, they brought him in. And if I remember right, you know, he was one of those guys that came into the tournament and didn't, wasn't signed to NXT or WWE, mm-hmm. but I think he still made it to the final, you know, that's how much they respected him. And I think that says a lot. So, yeah, this was a match that we should have got a year ago or whatever it was, and we're going to see it now. And, it, man, it doesn't doesn't matter who wins. Yeah, it's going to be an outstanding Like, yeah, this this whole final, like you said, Gary, this whole final run of Countdown, Daniel, Brian maybe? Danielson is going to be really <laughs> special because this is he's going to go out his way. And, like, all these dream mm-hmm. matches he and we all wanted to happen – they're going to, you know, because of AEW's unique position of having all these partnerships, he's going to get to do that. And this is not a slam on WWE, but if he was finishing his career in WWE, he'd be wrestling WWE guys. But yeah. we're going to get to see him wrestle all these like guys in the world, past, present that are or future that are like like the dream matches. Again, you know, Mike, you you brought this up, you know, who benefits? So, I mean, Ricky Starks right now is coming out hot. And it's because of the juju that is coming off of Daniel Bryan. And, you know, and w- no matter how you want to look at it, you know, um, this match with Wheeler Yuta is kind of, in my mind, it's kind of a throwaway. But it's necessary because it gives Ricky Starks a chance to get back on top and to start to really kind of, come back into his own but you know again you know these guys the mjfs the adam coles the brian danielson's you know again different from what we've seen in the wwf these guys are legitimately putting their you know these this younger talent over and really giving them a rub that's really kind of cool and we kind of saw it a little bit tonight with um with with uh with the guns, you'll see, you see it with the guns, you see it with a couple different um, groups. I think, you know, there's just really cool camaraderie in AEW. That's very special. Most definitely boys. Yeah. Can't wait for it. We are the ones that get to reap the benefits of all of this. And um, we, we covered a lot of people tonight. We covered, I mean, that swerve and hangman page. Yeah. Closing the night. I think, that is such a nod to those two that um, that's what I like about AEW. I mean, they have these studs that should dominate, but I think that's what we've been conditioned to 
believe when we watch mm-hmm. wrestling is, you know, Roman Reigns always closes the show. Uh, Hulk Hogan, whatever, mm. John Cena, The Rock, whatever. It's right. like these are the guys that close the show. And rightfully so. I mean, okay, if we are amateur bookers, we look at our examples and it's like, okay, well, that's what we should do. What I like about AEW, they're not afraid to do their own thing when it feels right. And they give nods to people that deserve it. And we know Swerve deserves it. We see what he can do. I mean, his his thing with Keith Lee is kind of underrated. And it was pretty mm-hmm. short-lived. I love both those dudes together. That was actually really, really nice. But I do like him as a singles. He's doing his great he's he's doing great work on his own. But then the close of the show with another guy that should be like up in the rafters with his name retired. If like AEW did have an arena, mm-hmm. they're gonna retire some names. I think Hangman should be up there because he is a forefather of it and he's boys with the boys that started. So I'm glad that they're giving him the ball and they're making him work with Swerve who, it, and I mean, you know, they brought up the thing like, I want to be the first black champion. I mean, there hasn't been a first black champion in AEW and it's like, we don't, I mean, we don't even really need to go there or anything, but if there is going to be one, Swerve why is, not Swerve? You know, yeah. Why not? And it will be historical. And I'm kind of glad that they're just kind of like talking about it. Like, hey, th- both of them, the, the promo that they gave, what I took away from it, they were just kind of talking about their dreams and like what they want to do. And it wasn't even that like aggressive. It was like an, it was like a conversation and then they started working. And that's what was so cool and kind of hooked me in. What did you guys think about that outro? I, I like the way you described that. Um, it, it was, I don't know. There were parts of it I liked. There were parts of it that I thought kind of fell flat. And I, I think that's been just consistent with both Swerve and Hangman. There's there's parts of this rivalry that gel really well. And then there's parts that, not, that don't. Um, before we started recording tonight, Steve, I think it was you who mentioned like Hangman, he just... Sometimes he feels kind of whiny for a baby face. Yeah, I is, yeah. yeah, and and I totally get what you mean by that. Um, and, and maybe I felt that way for a long time too. I just never really knew how to express it. And maybe maybe it's as simple as that. Um, with Swerve, he's got a very natural way of delivering promos, which makes it really cool. I feel like sometimes though the rhythm. Well, he's a rapper. Exactly. Yes. Check out his rap music. Matt's oh been on God. it for three years. Oh my God. Seriously, I've watched that Instagram reel like three or four times now as we've been recording. But anyway, so Swerve has this rhythm when he delivers promos that is very different from Hangman and from most American TV pro wrestlers. And I think sometimes it creates like a little bit of a disconnect with the other person and especially with the crowd, because you could even tell like sometimes it it didn't seem like the crowd was totally following it, but then he'd get them back. Um, so because of that, I feel like some of the stuff landed really well. Some of it didn't. But one thing Swerve said that I thought was really engaging was how he doesn't necessarily want to be a champion. It's like Mike said, he was just talking about what he wants, what his hopes are, what his dreams are. And how he just wants that spot. He wants that opportunity, which I thought was really good. It's kind of like a, you know, it could have been anybody. It just happens to be you regarding Hangman. So I, I overall, I thought it was a good promo. Am I sold 100% on, you know, this being like a heated match? No, frankly, not really. 
Will it be good on the night? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these guys are two of the best in the world. I'm sure they'll crush it. What I, the one thing I really do like about this is both guys have been kind of like on the back burner of AEW. They've been in, in over the last maybe six months, like swerves kind of come in and out, but then he, you know, he ended kind of flat with, with kind of losing out and the Darby Nick Wayne kind of thing. And I, you know, the whole AR Fox thing kind of fizzled and is over. But what I like about what happened here is it just seemed like out of nowhere that these two guys got paired together. But it, to me, it's kind of like a, a great opportunity to see the depth of the AEW roster because these guys legitimately can main event and have main evented cards in the past. And I think that, the fact that they're able to get put together, like, you know, in a, you know, kind of like in this kind of role and, and actually create drama in this sh shorter amount of time, that's decently compelling. It just says a lot about them. And it says a lot about, again, the professionalism and depth of the roster. Like these guys have kind of come in and out as other guys have. We're starting to see Miro come back in and Andrade come back in, but they've been on the periphery for a while. And now, you know, so it kind of gives the promotion in some ways, this kind of like freshness to it, because you all of a sudden you're starting to see guys that you're like, oh yeah, these guys, you know, you know, I know that they've been around and they've kind of been around, but then they really emerge and it's kind of, it's kind of cool to see them and it, it provides just a different twist on the, on the ebb and flow of the shows and of the cards that they're producing. Most definitely boys. I think there's one thing that we need to close the show out tonight with too. There was some big news. Jade Cardgill. She is no longer AEW. She's over in WWE now. I didn't even know this until today. When did this drop? Well, I think it just dropped today. I mean, I, there's been rumbling, been rumored, it, but I think today, maybe it was today or yesterday, ESPN was the first to break the news, funny enough. And so, yeah, it was announced that she signed a multi-year deal with WWE. Um, I've listened to a handful of other podcasts over the course of the day just to kind of get their thoughts on how is WWE going to use Jade Cargill? Where might she go? A lot of people are speculating like, well, if she goes to NXT, what are they going to do with her, right? Because AEW mm -hmm. did such a great job highlighting her strengths. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, she was exposed a few times in the ring. But for the most part, she came across as this unbeatable monster, which is perfect. That, I mean, look at her. That's exactly how you want to book her. But at the same time, she has already today been quoted talking about how maybe going to the performance center like is a place she'd want to be which frankly i think isn't a bad move either if that's what she wants to do like if her goal is to get better in the ring mm -hmm. you know what better place to do it right she doesn't have to be on tv she can wrestle like multiple times a day and get in way more reps than she could have in aew so there's that now let's say you put her on the main roster if you want to talk about fantasy booking i mean Nia Jax just came back recently. Mm. Can you imagine putting those two together? I, mm. Now, I don't know if it would be very high quality, but the spectacle of it would be interesting. I'll say that. 
I got she, something. Yeah. What, what do you have, Mike? I think. Okay. So I was thinking about this today. And I think the best way to introduce Jade Cargill to WWE is to have her be a manager to somebody. Because, I mean, Lacey Evans, remember when they, like, introduced her? And I thought Mm -hmm. Lacey Evans was kind of a star. Like, she was pretty good. But they just, like, trotted her out there for, like, two and a half months. And, I mean, Vince is gone. We got a new – I mean, if if Vince was still there and, I mean – this is going to be bad, and I hope this doesn't blow back in my face. But I mean, they would introduce Jade Cargill and put her up against like Bianca Belair in a Amazon whatever uh, match, you know, like just because that's like the trends of like his booking and like, oh yeah, this is what people want to see. Should she be introduced as? Kamala's daughter or something. Exactly. Like it'd be so bad. It'd be so bad. Followed by a Black Panther um Marvel movie yes. trailer sponsored oh. by blah blah blah. Like it'd be so fucking bad. You know what they need to do? They need to make her a manager. And you know who they need to pair pair her up with? L A No no no. L A Knight. Yeah. Yeah, dude. They yeah. need a mouthpiece. For her, because she has the look, she has, like, they're both, like, sexy. They're both confident. But Jade doesn't have the mic skills like L.A. does. L.A. is a star. Jade is a star. They need to put them together and kind of be, like, Jade is L.A.'s bodyguard, kind of like China was. But, like, we can't do what China did because it's already been done. She's going to serve a purpose. But eventually, she's going to go off on her own. But I think L.A. Knight would be the perfect usher into WWE stardom, for sure. I can only see those two together and, like, just making magic on TV. I feel, I don't know how one complements the other. Because, I mean, you know, for decades, the story has been, oh, you have someone who's weak on the mic. Well, we'll put a person who's good on the mic with them. But the thing is, like jade isn't terrible on the mic and then you put her in the ring and like it it doesn't get any better meaning Mm -hmm. it's not that great so i I like the idea i'm not sure what what i think would be really interesting is to put jade with like a guy who's like half her size like that would be almost funny in a way i don't know yeah i just so my uh so steve and i also have a little group chat with my brother uh, and my brother is a huge WWE fan and does not, is not quite come over to the other side. And it's actually a very interesting sets of conversations because Steve could, Steve and Dan could not be further from each other. I'm kind of like in the middle. I kind of, I'm able to kind of like appreciate both, but a couple things about this one is, you know, I know I've said this on this podcast before, but Jade is not good in the ring at all, in in my opinion. Has she gotten better? Yes. But can she actually carry a legit match? No, no chance. I, I just don't believe so. But she belongs in the WWE. She truly does because it is about entertainment in a show and movies and visuals, much, and, visuals and all that she stuff. She is right? visually yes. amazing. She's a specimen. And so, Mike, to your point, she she would be better off if they put her in a role like China, because I think 
whether it's with Top Dollar or or with Bobby Lashley's group that's formed. Um, you Top know, Dollar just get fired. He did. Oh, they did. You're right. Okay, not top dollars so much, but um, I meant the. It was really meant yeah. the street profits. So the street profits and Bobby Lashley and that group. You know, I just think that you know she's mm. got to, she's got to be with some other people because street profits just, would be nice. Yeah, street profits I, would be nice. I think she could kind of really, like Harlem Heat a little bit. Exactly, Sherry ish. Oh. Exactly. I think she if she got in bad. with that group. You know, it would be kind of an interesting thing because, you know, then there might be then there could emerge this kind of conflict that happens with Bianca and her because of, you know, just the relationships that are in that group and everything mm. like that. So mm-hmm. I think I to me, that's the most logical place for her, because this whole thing of I'm going to challenge you, Rhea Ripley, or I got you, Charlotte. Come on now, Jade, like shut up because you can't even. You won't last 10 minutes in the ring with those guys and it'll be a, it'll be a train wreck, but you know, but to the other side, she also is very close with Cody and Randy and Brandy Rhodes, right? Remember all the way back to Cody and brand there, that reality show. How could we forget? Yeah. That reality show that she was a centerpiece to that. And, and a big reason why she was in uh, AEW in the first place. So do you I, have you, the volumes on DVD, Gary? Can I? Can you mail those yes, to me? Yes, I will I actually you mail those to you. I, I have them um, with the greatest hits of September that I have researched for you as well. So I'll mail those to you as well. Uh, all in the a, deluxe all, edition. The deluxe edition, yes. um, beefed up. <laughs> but yeah, but I don't know. I just, you know, for me, she. It, this is a much better place for her. Long term, I just don't know if I see it as a wrestler as much as I see it as an attraction. I hear that. Fair. Definitely. I mean, I'm excited. I I don't watch WWE at all. Honestly. Well, actually I turned it on. I turned on the TV in my workspace and NXT was on. I was like, wow, I haven't, I literally haven't watched this in a year. Let's see what's going on. And they they have like NXT No Mercy going on right now or something mm. like that, and then there was all these new people on there that I didn't really understand. Um, but honestly, J- like Jade does fit the profile. Like oh, she was never kind of made for AW, or she wasn't really made for AEW. Mm-mm. Like I wish she kind of would have came up through WWE and then went over to AEW because then I would have actually been a little bit more interested slightly because honestly her going from AEW knowing her a little bit, I'll actually tune in to see how she's doing. So it, it kind of helps mm-hmm. WWE stock in my opinion, just slightly because she is a blue chipper. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, she's a specimen. There's no doubt about, there's no doubt about that. And, and uh, uh, while in the same token, you're it will the other real compelling story of her going over is is she going to get buried or is she going to get promoted because that has been the tradition right now cody rhodes broke that mold and he's actually gone and hasn't necessarily gotten buried but lots of other people that have gone to these back and forth under the old wwe regime they would get buried right and so the question just is you know how will they view her and if they prop her up, what 
stock does that also give AEW in terms of being the quote unquote secondary promotion for WWE? Um, if they start to prop her up in the women's division, you know, what will that say? I mean, and we know the AEW women's division has talent, but has been so under underutilized beyond it's almost as a crime what's occurring uh to some degree there and so uh it, so it will be interesting to see because i think we're going to start to see some of these now things crossover you know like i you I would be not in any stretch of the imagination would i think that dolph ziggler won't re-emerge in the AEW at some point he's too much of a personality he's too He's got a brother over there. I think there's too much they can do with him. Um, plus, you know, he's also the stand-up comedian. Ryan Nemeth? Ryan Nemeth. Um, of the Wingmen. Of the Wingmen with Peter oh. Avalon. Yeah, oh, they're no brothers. Shit, really? Yeah, and they oh, both I- do stand-up comedy, and they both kind of do some really cool things that are extra. Um, and so, <laughs> which that fits the AEW thing, which is if somebody has something that they do, that's not necessarily underneath the WWE umbrella, it's a better fit. You know, like the video game stuff is a, while it's coming into its own in WWE, you know, the, the social media, the, the entrepreneurial social media stuff, the the fact that people could be a stand-up comedian, all these other things that they're had, they have more license to do that in AEW because they aren't on the road as much, or they're not underneath uh, the public corporate umbrella like they are over in WWE. So, so we'll be interesting over the course of the next, you know, couple months as we start to kind of see some backs and forths going because there will be other talent in AEW for sure. That's going to, that's going to go for greener pastures and this won't be the last. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where's Michael Wardlow? Like, what is he? Is, Great he at, question. is he working at the Golden Corral or what? Mm. Like, he's been working out at the gym a lot, according to his Instagram. Other than that, I don't know what he's up to. Yeah, yeah, that's the Why, problem. That was completely like, wasted. Home, homeboy even fell off my algorithm. That's how hard this guy has fallen. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on with the guy anymore. It's like, yeah, it's you know, it takes sad. me back to Mike when you and Charlie made a bet about Keith Lee when he was going to be in the main event. <laughs> And uh, he fell right out of WWE, and then he went into AEW, and then he fell right out of AEW oh, again. Yeah. And now we're seeing it happen with Wardlow, which is just a damn shame. But, Do you but think the... Wardlow will get over to WWE? Yeah, probably. Maybe. He'll probably fall apart there, too. Yeah, I don't know. He would get, I think. You know, The one thing, you know, that, again, back to what we talked about earlier, though, you know, Hangman and Swerve have kind of come in and out a little bit, and now all of a sudden they've reemerged. So maybe Wardlow's on the shelf right now. They've got a program kind of thought for him, I hope. And I hope that when he comes back, he something happens because what an absolute abomination last couple months in AEW for that dude. Um, and just, you know, the winning and losing and dropping titles and gaining titles and just who knows like what they've got to do something the best the thing people he did, embraced him the they people did. embraced him they had it all worked people tried and... even even people got behind the symphony as lame as that was yeah i mean that was kind of a feat i mean imagine mm-hmm. wrestling for 15 minutes on on tv and then okay 
after I've been like doing this physical exertion, I got to power bomb somebody five or six times right? and keep them safe and not kill them. Yeah. The man squashed MJF. The man squashed MJF in a pay per view. I mean, yeah. at one point his stock was that high. Fuck. That is amazing perspective, Steve. I didn't thought about that. Although I was gonna say just a couple seconds ago that his best best character piece was when he was with MJF. I mean, yeah. you know that whole, and then he started doing interviews and I just feel like kind of went downhill from there. Like he just needed to be a big monster and not we gotta get him on the show. We, we got to get him on the show. We got to reach, reach out to, we got to, we got to re we, we will be the flagship for Michael Wardlow's career to get back out on track. You know tag, what I'd like to see? We're going to have to tag him on, tag him on every piece of social media for this podcast and Steve, see Steve, if maybe it, do, do you know Steve, what I'd like to see? Sorry, Steve. I already know what you're going to say, and it's you want to see Michael Wardlow at Crusher Fest 2024. I'm already on it. Don't worry about it. Okay. That's not what I was going to say. I want to oh. see Michael Wardlow come on the show and powerbomb Gary three times, and then that's oh. how we end the show. Yeah, that would be a really good idea. <laughs> wow. That'd be funny. Because I think it'd be great, because, I mean, Michael Wardlow, Dude. when he was at his prime, exemplified Dude. some key a- a- attributes that yeah, like, well, we you'd exemplify this middle finger that these fans can't see right now, what I'm showing you, and that is going to be what I am going to call you number one. You're number one tonight. <laughs> well, you can keep talking, but once Michael Wardlow shows up, you won't be talking. All right. You'll be in a body All right. bag. All right. I know you guys had some pretty heated rivalries in Jellico baseball and tech mobile back in Nintendo and stuff like we that, did. but let's not Mortal let Kombat. it trickle into fantasy yeah. football. Steve. Hey, hey, what was the score of that? What was that's the enough. score? Uh, Mike, oh, Mike, just wanted to know. Did you happen to know? Christ. What's happening? I'm trying to jab you guys for being old. Like I'm bringing up Nintendo <laughs> that was brought out in 1985. Oh, d- yeah. oh don't worry. Don't worry. We are. Old. <laughs> we are. We, we we resemble that remark. Now you're working me. We resemble that remark, but let's, I let's, just want, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the fantasy football game that's between enough. Steve and Gary by a landslide. Thank you, Gary. Okay, Mike, Mike get control of the show here. You know, there's three attributes that Mike that Gary does not possess, none of which so you that have Michael either. Wardlow possesses. <laughs> Michael Wardlow. Oh my god! Definitely not you your guys... fantasy team. That's enough. Holy this shit. is a wrestling podcast. Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> I didn't next, know it went. Next podcast, empty arena. You and me, Steve. Yes, we're gonna meet in Indianapolis because that's the middle ground between the two of us, and Couldn't... it'll be empty arena. You and I've me, gotten... just like Terry Funk. I've gotten sideswiped so hard tonight. I didn't even know you guys were in a fantasy football league or even cared about football. I thought we only some, cared about no, wrestling. We've been in the, the, same, we've been in the same, same league. league like 26 years. 26 but, yeah. years. Holy shit. Did you guys mm-hmm. create the algorithm? The, well, we, uh, here, okay. Programming? The, no, this friend of ours, John, who we've talked about that passed away a couple of years ago, started mm-hmm. this. Predates the internet. He, and predates, predates. like, he's, he, 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 we started this fantasy league before fantasy was popular and he would keep track of the scores in the newspaper because there was no there internet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, we gets were, me hard. That's we old doing, school. We would do the draft. He would make a, literally we yeah. would get a poster board, a poster oh, yeah. board, and he would make 
all and we write everything perfectly in. straight lines. I bet. Oh yeah, absolutely. Of course, he's a designer. Yep. All that shit. Yes, yeah. I mean, That's great. And yeah, he would go into the newspaper and he would score every single game. And yeah, it was man, you know. How do you, how many people are in the league? Well, uh, there was eight for 25, six years, and then this year we expanded it to 10, but that's as far as we're going to go. Even that we kind of right. we kind of disgraced his memory because he never wanted to expand it, but we did mm-hmm. this year. Nothing's more okay. disgraceful than Steve's team, but that's I mean, enough. Other than, other than that, yeah. you know. Um, well, if there's, yeah, ever a pe- if there's ever a piece of shit team yeah. in that league, I want in. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like, let me in. Please. Okay. You and know, you know I, what my team name is going to be? What is it? I, be, I wonder. Woo! It's gonna, oh, sorry. It's going to be a little too early. Yeah. Yeah. You already are talking about 45 seconds, 30 seconds early before we start recording yeah. the night. Jump the gun. Take, take it easy over there, Gary. All right. If I had a fantasy football team name in your league, it's going to be these three things. Yeah. What's that? Well, Every player that I draft, they're going to possess these attributes. It's stay humble, stay hungry, and stay hard. Triple H. Woo. Woo. September. September was a great month in professional wrestling, and it always has been. And there's a couple of really important events uh, in the history of pro wrestling that have happened, memorable moments. I take you back to 1960. It was September the 30th. It was the debut of two key professional wrestlers over in Japan, the Giant Baba and Antonio Inoki. Both had their debuts on September 30th of 1960, and boy, did they uh, did those debuts end up leading to such a career as they both founded both New Japan Wrestling and All Japan Wrestling. In September of 1979, Pat Patterson won this inaugural tournament in Rio de Janeiro, becoming the very first WWF Intercontinental Champion. They say that. There were, there's Mr. October, Reggie Jackson, but Mr. September happens to be the man himself, Ric Flair. He had many memorable moments in the month of September. In September 17th, 1981, he won his first NWA world title over Dusty Rhodes. He lost the title in 1987 to Ron Garvin. In 1991, in September, he appeared first on WWF television. In 1992, he won his first title against Randy Savage in the WWF, again, all in the month of September. Then in 1998, in the month of September, Flair returned to Nitro and had a memorable promo cut against Eric Bischoff. And last but not least, in September of 2011, he had hit one of his last major promotional in-ring matches when he lost to Sting. But nothing, nothing beats this most memorable moment from September 22nd of 1997, when Austin stuns Vince McMahon in the ring for the very first time, setting off one of the greatest feuds in wrestling history. Well. Thanks for listening to this these moments in professional wrestling history. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Williams, and 
Thank you for listening.